I've been using Laravel now since late 2013, I guess. So quite a good, good chunk of time, I guess, I guess 10, coming up 10 years. Yeah. Um, I was actually a code igniter and expression engine user before mm -hmm. I started using Laravel. Um, and I actually was at an expression engine conference and one of the speakers started talking about, I don't know, I don't understand or remember why the topic, this topic came up, but he started mm -hmm. to talk about how he was putting some kind of Frankenstein project together by linking WordPress with this newfangled framework, which was called Laravel. Yeah, previously I think it was running on Forge. There isn't that much queuing, so I probably was using the database queue driver at the time. Um, oh, okay. Because it's Slack, Slack mm -hmm. need the response back, like or the, need uh -huh. a response back straight away for you to confirm that you've received the webhook. So typically right. everything happens in the course of one. It will be my second time in India. I've been once before to Mumbai. Wow. And had a great time. I thought it was kind of a work-related trip, so I spent most of the time taking meetings in the hotel. Um, but when I did get out, it was just an incredible experience. Um, such a cool place. I just have very kind of striking memories of all of the kind of smells and colours that, that India has to offer. Um, yes. So that was very cool. And yeah, with regards to Laracon, um, I'm absolutely blown away by the fact that they've sold now, I think, over a thousand tickets. Exactly. Um, so I'm very excited to meet the kind of Indian community and kind of immerse myself in the culture for, I think I've got the best part of a week in India. So yeah, incredibly excited for that. That's really good. So you said you have just finished the Laracon EU, I believe, right? Yeah. So uh, any any good memory of Laracon EU you want to share? Uh, to be honest, the whole thing was just amazing. Um, it's okay. been, I think, three and a half years since I was last at a, in, in, in exactly. a sort of in-person conference. So even just that was um, just so nice to get back to seeing people again and seeing some kind of new faces, meeting new people, but also catching up with some friends I haven't seen for that kind of that amount of time. Um, it was yeah. great to see Jeffrey Way was there speaking. So it was great oh, to see nice. to see Jeffrey. I think it was his first time speaking at a conference for maybe six years. Yeah, um, so exactly. I feel fortunate to have seen him there. Um, but all of the talks were incredible and just such a great atmosphere. I think everybody was just so happy to be back out and about again. <laughs> okay. Have you seen the speaker list for Laracon India? I have, yeah. So which one you are excited about for from the Laracon India speaker lineup? Um, I think Shruti I'm excited to see. I think I haven't seen her speak before. I think she's going to be amazing. Um, there, obviously Taylor's going to be there, so it'd be nice to see him yeah, speak again. Obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I just love being at a conference, so I think <laughs> even speakers I haven't seen before and I don't know that I'm excited to see, I'm, I'm, I'm just often blown away by how kind of polished <laughs> and how well people are able to speak. Right. So you said you were there in India before. Which year it was, like, when you were on Mumbai? 2016 I went I think oh, my, my firstborn daughter was just six months old so I had to leave her for the best part of a week um, but yeah had it yeah it was a great time so any any moment you have like you remember for from that trip any funny uh, I mean it's probably not a funny incident but it's kind of strange for me that yeah, I went yeah, out in a, on a on a tuk-tuk ride into Mumbai and just kind of all of the traffic that was, there was just traffic chaos everywhere. 
Um, and that was a that's a, a memory that kind of sticks in my mind as something that was kind of very different to what I'm used to. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's really good. I, I hope uh, when you will be here, you will have much more great and grand experience this time. And obviously, since every like Laravel people will be here for the first time in India, all the community member, the core team member, even Taylor Otwell will be here in India. So everyone is really excited and uh, we are like more than happy that uh, all of you guys are coming to India and we are ready to welcome you all. So it's really great. Uh, Joe, uh, so let's let's move now to something really amazing. You are a contributor at Laravel IO, right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay, so tell me about like what is this Laravel IO is and how you become the contributor and what is actually mean by the having like title of contributor. Yeah, so um, Laravel IO has been going for a long time now. Kind of started as a community forum. Um, for people to get help. I guess it was maybe even before the days that Laracast exist and, and the Laracast forum. Oh, right. Um, really more cool. recently, it's been, well, I mean, probably not that more recently now, given by how quickly time goes by, but um, it was taken over by Dries Vince, who's another one of the Laravel core team members. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met Dries back in 2019 at Laravel Live UK, a conference based in the UK. Uh, and I met Dries over dinner and I got talking to him about actually, I think one of the the guys from Refactoring UI had done a screencast taking the Laravel IO homepage and converting it um, or, or adapting the design um, mm. using some of the tips and tricks that they'd, they'd been kind of showcasing on um, Refactoring yeah. UI. And so I spoke to Dries and said, would you mind if I implemented that homepage? Because at that point it hadn't been done. Um, and that was really when I first got involved with it. Mm. Um, so yeah, back in 2019, so sort of three and a half years ago. Um, and since then, we've we've really been pushing the project along. We now have a whole kind of article section so people can come along and cross post their, their content onto Laravel IO. So we have this kind of centralized location for people to, to, to discover Laravel related content. Um, Okay. So yeah, it's really a community tool. One of the main things behind it is it's a completely open source project. So for people who are new to Laravel and want to know how to structure their Laravel applications, the idea is that they can come on, along to GitHub and look at the source code and really understand how a real world Laravel application is put together. Amazing. So I know that like Laravel IO is a forum where people can ask questions, but we also have the Laracast forum, so it is really popular Laracast forums. So how Laravel IO is different from Laracast forum, or is it if it is similar? So then, why we need another forum for, especially for Laravel? Yeah, it's a great question. I don't, I'm not 100% sure of the chronological order of what, where things, and how things happened. I think Laravel IO was the first forum to kind of the first Laravel forum to hit the market. And then I think Laracast came out and Jeffrey kind of released a forum as part of that. So mm-hmm. I guess it's just two separate locations that you can go to to request help from people. Um, so, I mean, Laravel.io has 50,000 members. It's fairly significant. I think we have 18,000 wow. threads. Um, and obviously all of that content, regardless of whether it's on Laravel.io or whether it's on Laracast, is all indexed 
so you know any good search engine is going to be able to help people discover that content so Amazing. I don't think it's necessarily or I don't think it's in any way about two things competing with each other it's just about giving people the options to, to find the content that they need right right so uh, if I have any query I can go on Laracast or I can go on Laravel IO right exactly that yeah yep. anywhere or even I can ask like any anywhere so it's it's basically the same yeah, so you both you have to have an account for both of them, but then once you have an account, yeah, you can log into yeah. the forum it's and not, ask not, questions. Not directly connected, but there are two different forums for exactly. the same purpose. Yeah, exactly that. Uh huh. Good one. Good one. So you said it's a open source project. Is it open source from the like initial days? Yeah, I believe so. Um, even before Dries took over, I think it was the, the idea of the project was always to be a learning opportunity for people. So I don't, I don't think it was ever private. I think the project has okay. has always been so. Um, yeah, public. Yeah. Okay. So if it is an open source project, that means I can use it for my website also. Or I yeah, I mean, if you wanted to, you could. No, 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 you could pull down the source code and and host it yourself if you wanted to. Wow, it's really, really great that I can use it and I can learn from the code you and Grace and all people have contributed to that. So it's how many contributors, do you remember how many contributors we have? 100 contributors, 100 wow. contributors and 604 forks. So we're doing, doing pretty oh well. Oh my God. Wow. That's really great. Really popular. Yeah. Yeah. It's very <laughs> yes. popular. Okay. So, uh, now I, I have a lot of questions with Laravel IO and as you said, like it's open source, like questions popping in my mind. <laughs> so uh, like, like what's your role as a maintainer? What actually you do as a maintainer? So you said there are hundred com contributors. So are you managing the contributors or seeing the PRs or actually writing code, adding features? What, what you do on that Laravel IO? Um, so predominantly the way since Dries and I, who are the, the two main contributors now, um, Dries predominantly does the triage of pull requests and stuff from the community. So he'll look into them, see if it's something that we think is good for the for the for the platform, um, and then do reviews of the pull requests, feedback to people. That's the other thing that we like as a as a kind of learning opportunity is that people can submit pull requests um, and learn about that whole process as well. Because I think for some particularly new developers, that's a whole new thing that, that you know they may not be used to doing. And it's a really friendly place to come along and kind of start learning that. Um, so Dries does most of the triage. If it's, if it's a particular part of the code base that I've worked on, he may hand that over to me to kind of to look into in more detail. Um, and typically I've been building out a lot more of the features, less so in the last few months. Um, but prior to that, I've been doing quite a lot of features. So for instance, the article section where people can come and cross post oh, nice. their content um, was something right. that, I, that I put together. Um, wow, wow, that's really great. So is that repository? Obviously, uh, this is a not invalid question, but uh, you will have the tests for that, like feature tests, integration tests, unit tests, most of them. Exactly, yeah. So it's really, really well-tested code base. So again, another learning opportunity for people who aren't I'm, used to I'm writing. really excited to look into the code base after this podcast because this is this is a thing like 
when i had started learning laravel i was the first thing i was doing is like go to the spari packages and look into yeah. that dig into the, the code base and see how they have created things how they are structuring the migration and the code everything but since this is a full fledged application which is running live this is really a great learning experience for everyone who want to dig into the professional part of how you can create or work on a laravel application great absolutely and it's great for us as well because we don't get everything right every time so sometimes mm -hmm. you know we might have an inefficient query in the code base that somebody stumbles across and they're able to come kind of come along and, and resolve that issue for us um, that's just kind of an arbitrary example but it's you know it's real kind of testament to how open source works in that you know yeah exactly we can offer something for people as a learning opportunity but also people can contribute back and make make the make laravel io better over time right 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 that's really really nice so i, I will look at into the code base of laravel io after this podcast for sure but let's, <laughs> let's move let's move to the next thing in our list which is a, a book you have written about the building a chatbot with laravel and botman tell me about that and what is this how this is useful for the laravel people uh yes it's it's a long time ago that i wrote that book now and i kind of did it in in um, collaboration with laravel news i don't even remember what year that would have been i mean it was probably <laughs> mm -hmm. probably 2017 2018 that kind of time mm -hmm. um but at the time it was of interest to me um, and the Botman framework, which was produced by Marcel, um, yeah. one of the, the, the kind of big Laravel community members, um, was something that I was dabbling with um, in my in my spare time, and I decided it would be a good opportunity to kind of teach others about that. Um, so the idea of the book was it was really a guide from having no knowledge of chatbots into being able to um, build a chatbot with your Laravel application. So everything from installing the package to wiring up different channels, such as Facebook Messenger and Telegram, um, all the way to deploying to, to, to deploying it. I mean, they weren't particularly, um, or the book didn't go in down the realms of really complicated chatbots. It was more kind of a back and forth kind of um, conversation based chatbot. Um, but it really gave users an understanding of how to do that. Okay. Um, but it's not but, something that I've updated in a long time. So yeah, I'm kind of plucking from the depths of my memory bank. But, but how, why, why a book? Why not a course? because there, there's a visual learners more than uh, like yeah readers. I think at, at the time um, and probably even to this point I feel more comfortable writing than I do streaming or, or being on on video um, mm -hmm. it's something that I'd like to do more out more of or at least start trying to have a go at but yeah I feel like I'm more comfortable writing than I am it could have been a series of blog posts but um, mm -hmm. at the time I, I writing a book was something that I wanted to do um, right. and so I took the opportunity to do it at that point. Okay, so if, if I have, if now you have to write another book, do you have any topic in your mind and like on which topic you want that there should be a book or if I get time I'm going to write it? Yes, yeah, so I'm big into serverless at the moment. I'm obviously, I work uh, on, on Vapor at Laravel, and so um, it's a topic that I'm really interested in and enjoy learning about. Um, I think I have a lot to offer in that space, um, yep. and so it's something I'm considering at the moment. It probably won't be a book, but it, I'm considering um, 
some sort of series of content that will kind of um, help people get a better understanding of uh, right. How, how my, my expertise is around AWS, so around uh-huh. AWS services and which ones to stitch together and how they can all work together to kind of. I think as it's a difficult subject for people to understand, and I think exactly. I can do as a place for me to help people understand how these things stitch together and how they work. Um, and that's actually without wanting to be to give mm-hmm. too many spoilers away. That's the, what my talk is going to be roughly around at Laracon. Aha! Uh-huh. <laughs> so you reveal the that the title. <laughs> Good. <laughs> no issue. <laughs> so, uh, tell me about like if I have to write a book. So, what should be the thing, or what should be the like list of the things I need to keep in mind to write a book, or how do I start uh, like writing a book on any topic? Uh, so, I, that's a great question. I think you need a really good understanding of the problem you're trying to explain to people, the problem you're trying to solve through the course of your book. And by having that really clear picture up front, I think you can then start by writing a skeleton of what you want the structure of that book to look like. So even if that's just chapter titles, or it's just, um, if you're not as far as chapters, it's just an idea of the content that you want to cover. And then I think it becomes more straightforward to kind of flesh out those details. Um, So I think, yeah, that my main piece of advice would be to have a really clear understanding of what it is that you want to do before you start writing it. Don't just go flying in to start writing because I think you'll okay. lose um, some some coherency. Mm. I don't even know if that's a word actually, but the, the, the book, the out, the final part of the the final outcome of the book will be less coherent if you go down that route than if you try to tell the story through the structure of the book. Mm-hmm. Okay. So first, you need to create a skeleton of what actually you want to teach on that book and then write whatever comes in your mind in the flow. Yeah, I think right. so. If, if we take the um, the chatbot book that I wrote, yeah. I spent a lot of time planning what I wanted to be in it. And then actually producing the content, I wrote a good majority of it. And I had two flights, one to New York and one back from New York. And I'm really good at working on flights. Like for something about it, there's no distraction, there's no internet. Yeah. Um, so I just w- had like 10 hours, 10, 12 hours of real good focus time. And most of the content I was actually able to write. But the key part there was planning what I wanted to be there in the first place. Okay, good one. Yeah, so I'll, I'm going to follow this uh, like steps of writing a book. I Have created- Have you got a book in mind? Is that something you want to do? Uh, I, I've created many courses on yeah. different different topics. Even the most successful course I have created is on Laravel, which is called In-Depth Laravel. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm planning to uh, create the next version of it before this, uh, like Laracon India. But I'm I'm not sure if I can do that in a very short span of time. But <laughs> we'll try for sure. So so I have created many courses, but I want to try and write book. Because as I said, like there are people who are not visual learners who want to read things and understand it. So for those audience, a book will be a better option. Do so, you like to consume eBooks? Sorry, this is a slight tangent. So tell me if we're going off topic too much. But you know, no, no, do you like okay. do, do you like to consume eBooks? Is it something you enjoy? 
yeah i don't like ebooks <laughs> i like physical books you can see all the books i have so i like to hold the book i if i'm not holding the book i can't feel it so i have tried many ebook i already have a collection of different different ebooks so when i see on my like mobile phone or tablet or even on desktop after some time i feel like let let's do something so it's like distracting thing but when i'm holding a physical book it's like okay i am going to read this this is in my hand and there is a one to one connection plus when you have a physical book you can write it on that book if you have a you can underline you can write the like definition of anything you can fold the <laughs> fold the page you have a lot of option which is connected to your mind your hand physical touch which which i believe connects the content to your brain more than the ebook that's what i feel that's why i'm not a ebook e person i exactly I, i mean everything that you just said i couldn't agree with more i have tried all sorts of different devices for consuming ebooks and there is nothing that compares to a physical book exactly. um With, with that in mind if you do produce a book will you try and do like get it published and 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 have physical uh, copies or will it be an ebook uh so so uh, there this is a this is i think a different thing consuming a book and uh, selling a book is a two different task so when i when i have to sell a book i believe ebook sells much better than a physical book so if i ever have ever will going to write a book I'm going to sell it as an ebook. This is uh, because because I'm writing for teaching, but obviously I want to make money because I'm I have spent so much time, energy, and my skill on that. So I have to make money, and for that, instead of going with a physical book, I will publish it as a ebook. But if people want and if it gets successful, then we can move with the physical also. I only ask because it's a it's a project that I've had in mind for a long time is to make I guess I don't know what it's like in India for selling ebooks whether it's different to to um kind of in Europe and the US but typically people are going to go for a product like Gumroad to sell their ebook yeah, and they're exactly. going to use some sort of ebook builder to turn their markdown into a book mm -hmm. um but I know there's lots of people like us who want to consume physical copies of books so mm. I've had this idea for a long time probably shouldn't say it publicly on a podcast but um, to produce some sort of ebook builder but have the option to when you're going through the checkout process uh -huh. to be able to select that I want a physical copy uh -huh. of that book and wow. then somehow and these are the bits I haven't really fully figured out yet but partner with some distribution partner or printing partner to be able to say okay well I want a physical copy of that book I'm going to send the book off to that printer who's going to pr right. pr uh, print it fulfill that order and send it on to mm -hmm. the customer because I think there's a lot of people who would much prefer to read it yeah. in that way yeah. I mean <laughs> there's a lot of ebooks that I've bought and never actually read because I don't feel comfortable reading them in that way even though I know that I really want to really going to enjoy that content I just don't enjoy reading books in that way that's really great but uh, but there there is one more thing with the ebook and the physical book uh, i think ebook will be uh, like more efficient when you are having any like programming book because you have a code snippet 
you sometimes want to copy and paste to try it than a normal book which doesn't have any code base and code snippets like that so all the books you can see here i have is like either a motivational book marketing book self-help books uh, very few are coding or like one is an algorithm book so these books sells good on the physical part as well as on the ebook e part but for technical book i can say or basically programming related book ebook is a good option i think mm -hmm. what do you think yeah i agree i still think i'd rather read a physical copy but you're right to have to have an electronic copy of it as well to be able to yeah. kind of interact with code snippets and stuff is is exactly. definitely nice yeah great this one is really sorry good i took topic. us off took us off no. tangent there <laughs> no 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 it's a really, really good topic uh, i i i like this so let's let's move now to uh, next thing uh which is related to the Laravel, obviously. So how you started learning Laravel and what's your general uh, learning process? If you have to learn anything, how you start working on it? And first tell me about the Laravel, how you came into this. Uh, yes, so I've been using Laravel now since late 2013, I guess. So quite a good, good chunk of time, I guess, I guess 10, coming up 10 years. Yeah. Um, I was actually a code igniter and expression engine user before mm -hmm. I started using Laravel. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually was at an expression engine conference and one okay. of the speakers started talking about, I don't know, I don't understand or remember why the topic this topic came up, but he started mm -hmm. to talk about how he was putting some kind of Frankenstein project together by linking WordPress with this newfangled framework, which was called Laravel. Laravel. <laughs> and he spoke really, really highly of Laravel. So I went away from the conference and I started to use it um, or started to play with it at that stage. And then I really, really enjoyed the developer experience. And I started, I was a solo developer within the company at that point. And I started to migrate all of our stuff. I mean, this didn't happen overnight. This was over a period of time. I started to migrate everything over to yes. Laravel from Expression Engine. Mm -hmm. um, and then I moved on and moved positions uh, into another job and that was building an application from scratch and I mm -hmm. took Laravel with me and I've used so I've been just basically been using it all day every day for yes. the last 10 years and it's never let me down never got old for me and I still enjoy using it every day um, and <laughs> exactly. so that's really how I got to where I am today in my kind of Laravel journey mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with regards to how I learn was the question Laravel specific yeah. or just generally? No, any, anything, like even after Laravel, because in our uh, IT world, you have to be constantly update, upgrade yourself. So for that, you have to be a learner. So how you learn things. Yeah, so I've realized over time that I don't have time to learn everything. I think when I was younger yeah. and before I had kids, for instance, I used to think I needed to learn everything. And now I kind of spend more time picking and choosing my battles. Mm -hmm. um, so for instance, I guess recently the, the Web3 craze, I <laughs> didn't particularly find it interesting. That's not to say that it's a, it's a bad thing, it just wasn't something that interested me, so I didn't take mm -hmm. the time to learn it. Mm -hmm. um, but things that I do like to learn, or things that I will learn, I think my learning style is I'll find as much resource as I can that helps me to get started. Um, so to help, help me find a starting place and then once I've kind of got the basics, I just then want to do my own thing. I want to immerse myself in that code 
and figure it out for myself and that's how I learn best for me personally that's what makes things stick and mm-hmm. um, if I'm struggling and I need help I'm sort of a visual learner so I'll probably try uh-huh. and look for video resources rather than um, yeah it's kind of counterintuitive to what I said earlier because mm-hmm. if I'm going to explain something to people I like to write it <laughs> but if I'm going to consume it myself then I'm probably going to want to watch it um, right. but that may just be because I don't feel particularly uh, confident doing screencasts at the moment and that's just because it's something that I haven't done it's not to say that I'll never do it. It's just something I haven't done to this point. Um, so yeah, for me, really, it's about throwing myself into it and trying to figure things out for myself because that's what makes things stick. Right, right. So I'm also a visual learner, but I believe that there is a different kind of content available for different, different situation. So when I want to start something, when I want to see the flow, how things will go, like any installation or any setup where we have three, four, ten different things coming up together. Then I prefer visual things like video, obviously, any GIF we have for doing things. So that's that's one thing when you want to learn things in a flow. But when you're searching for very specific thing, I believe that uh, text-based content is really powerful because you, because you can directly search and come to the point where you need this te- this uh, code be uh, like code example or any setting you just want to see. So for that thing, text-based is good. But if you want to really go from zero to ten or twenty or any level, then obviously, uh, yeah visual things is really great so every content is for everyone for different different situations so this is yeah, how don't, I t- totally agree and it kind of takes us back to the forums again because exactly that content is indexed and easily surfaceable you don't yeah. always get the exact answer to what you need but it often finds you gets you a step further to where you need to get to yeah yeah even if you have if you have a blog with 1000 words you can easily search between that uh, content but if you have a one hour of video, you cannot search from where where things are starting, what what he has done, what the instructor is saying. So that's that's a difficulty in visual thing against the content. But obviously, as I said, everything is for different situations. Exactly. Yeah. And now we have chat GPT. So <laughs> <laughs> chat GPT. <laughs> so uh, I, I'll, let, let's have a quick chat because we have just three minutes remaining for this session of Zoom. So let's have a quick chat on ChatGPT. Do you think ChatGPT will going to change the world or do you think it's yet another hype thing like Web3 we have? Um, I think it has the potential to change the world. I, I have reservations about the legalities of things and I wonder if at some point there's gonna be some regulation that in some ways makes it less powerful. Um, uh-huh. If we look at something like GitHub Copilot, for instance, yeah. I think when it was first announced or first released, there was a lot of people very upset that it was crawling, it was learning from their code bases that they'd spent, you know, Developed lots of blood, sweat and tears. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> And I wonder how long that... And, and with Dali, Dali and stuff, people are upset that their artwork is being used to, to train the algorithms or to, to train the models. Yeah. Um, and I do wonder at some point whether there's going to be something that slows... 
I don't think it will stop it completely, but whether it slows progress because there'll be in some ways less training data available. Um, right. But I've got nothing to base that on. That's just something that's been sticking in my in my head for a while. But it's incredible. I mean, it's mind-blowingly good. <laughs> yeah. So, so what is the first thing or maybe the funny thing you have searched on uh, Ask the Chat GPT? Uh, I think I'm not that creative at asking questions, but some of the <laughs> stuff, I, I, I mean, the thing that blows my mind is the way that it keeps context. So when you see people posting on Twitter that they've um, asked it a question, it's come back with an answer, and then they ask a follow-up question, or several follow-up questions, and the whole time it's able to um, adjust its answer according yeah. to what th their feedback has been, it's just absolutely mind-blowing. <laughs> I asked ChatGPT the f first thing, like first time I interacted with the ChatGPT, I asked like, can you send a notification to a user who is not active in Laravel? And it just written all the code <laughs> for that. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> how I <laughs> am going to survive? <laughs> it was so, so powerful that you, you can't even imagine really amazing chat gpt yeah it is yeah. it's incredible and i'm sure they've got more stuff to come that they haven't exactly. even released yet yes. so joe everyone learn by doing things as you said you want to learn things when and by doing it okay so for me i just create a side project if i have to when, when i was learning node i created a side project on that <laughs> so this is my way of learning so do you have any side project and if yes tell me about that yeah so i have uh, have one that's been running for several years now which is called jukebot um and i initially started to build that to scratch my own itch where i was working at the time we had a wish to be able to collaborate internally on spotify playlists mm -hmm. and our internal uh, communication channel was Slack. So I built a bot which allows you to um, integrate with Spotify. Uh, you create a playlist as part of the onboarding experience and then you have slash commands in Slack that allow you to add playlist, add to your playlist, remove from your playlist, um, play and pause and interact with wow. basically the whole of the Spotify API, um, so, which is pretty cool. Yeah, so you can, you can like manipulate all the Spotify thing from just from the Slack. Yeah, exactly that. Oh, yeah, um, I think there's like twenty slash commands that you can use that uh -huh. allow you to to integrate. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a very cool project. I don't use it actually anymore, but it's fairly popular. I think it has like something like five thousand users. Wow, um, super! It's free, so it's not like I'm you know mm -hmm. I'm making money from it or anything. But it's a nice thing for people to uh, to be able to use. Um, and so it started in that way to scratch my own itch. But like you said, I can use it as, use it as a, for learning opportunities. Um, it is a Laravel app. So, you know, uh -huh. even little things like a new version of Laravel comes out. Well, I've got an application that I can now upgrade and go through the upgrade process and see if there's anything in there which might be tricky for people. Um, I work on Vapor at Laravel. So I now have it deployed in a serverless infrastructure. And now mm -hmm. if we have stuff that I want to test uh, features that we're adding to Vapor that I want to test. I have a project right there and then that I can test stuff with. Um, and it's a real world project with real users. So we kind of get that kind of, um, that, that, that real feedback rather than when you're trying to kind of mm -hmm. test with a dummy project, if you like. Great. Um, Great. 
So, yeah, I, I think side projects are really important as, as kind of learning opportunities. So is it fully built with Laravel or it's like API or front end like? Uh, so there's there's a, a company. So basically the, the process is you go to Slack, you look in the Slack app store and you find Jukebot. Oh. Slack then redirect you off to the Jukebot website and there's a three-step okay. process. You log in with Spotify. So it okay. uses... Um, Socialite, the, the Socialite, the, okay. Yeah, the um, Laravel uh, kind of uh -huh, um, uh -huh. social login package. Yeah, yeah. Um, then you choose which playlist you want, and you can create a new one or choose an existing one, and then you integrate with Slack, and then mm. Jukebot is in there and working. So it has a front end, but that's all built in Blade. It's very straightforward. Um, and then the whole of the back end is basically just receiving slash commands from, uh, or receiving webhooks from Slack. Mm -hmm. uh, acting on those, sending a request off to Spotify to, let's say you're adding a, a, play, a track to your playlist, you go off, you find the track, you return that, and then you send a response back to Slack to say, hey, that's done, and it's there, ready for you to, to see. Okay, um, so this, this, this seems like easy one, but I know this is really difficult to implement. Uh, it's, it's really yeah, I mean, the hardest thing about it is you're dealing with third-party APIs, which, you know, they have a habit of changing every now and again, <laughs> catch you off guard. <laughs> <laughs> is it running with a Laravel uh, Horizon to run and to manage the queue, or it's directly one to one? No, because no, it's using Vapor. Um, it oh, uses okay. Amazon's SQS service for SQS queues. SQS services. Ah, nice. um, but but there isn't even you, that much queuing, really. But, so, sorry, but go ahead. You said you have recently migrated to Laravel Vapor. Yeah. So, so yeah, previously you, I think it was. Yeah, previously I think it was running on Forge. There isn't that much queuing, so I probably was using the database queue driver at the time. Um, uh, okay. Because it's Slack, Slack mm -hmm. need the response back, like or the, need uh -huh. a response back straight away for you to confirm that you've received the webhook. So typically right. everything happens in the course of one request. Wow, good one, good one. This like this is this is a really nice idea. Like if you have something, if you are working in a different environment, you can integrate that environment with something you enjoy so you're working on a slack you enjoy spotify you merge these two platforms yeah, and create exactly. something amazing and i think it's important with side projects too i think this is one of the key things that 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 turns a side project from something that never gets released to something that does get released is i think it needs to be something that you need and something that you enjoy using exactly. and scratches your own itch otherwise i think it's it's difficult to stay motivated to continue working on that project. Right, right. Um, I, I've created uh, two side projects. So one is like a Twitter scheduling tool, which I call it GrowX. So initially I thought I was like, hey, I have created so amazing side project. I'm going to uh, publish it, make money. But I've added amazing features, but didn't get motivation after completing it. So yes, right now, like nowadays even i'm using it some of my friends are using that for scheduling uh, tweets on for twitter as well as for linkedin but i didn't get the motivation to like release it f with uh, the paid plan so but but after that i said okay if this is not going to work i'm i'm going to start something else so now uh, for last one and a half year i'm working on a side project called mesohub M-E-Z-O-H-U-B, Mesohub. It's, in a simple word, you can call it an alternative to Laravel Forge. So deploying 
for deploying the Laravel application. Mm -hmm. But we have planned to create, uh, to make this for every backend application. And when I have started, I didn't know many things in Laravel. I didn't know how to how to fetch the logs from the server and show it on the on the on my UI. I did all of that things and learned so many things that now even if this is not going to work, I'm not going to regret anything because I have learned so many things that I will never ever going to learn in in a, by doing any other project by reading the documentation by doing any other things. So yeah, side project is extremely important for your life. If and you it's something you enjoy, right? So working with yeah. servers and stuff is exactly. Yeah. So you're exactly. gonna it's gonna help you stay motivated. Exactly. So amazing things. So congratulations for your juke bot. Jukebot, yeah, right? sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Jukebot uh, project and hopefully you will do something cool with another side project. So let's let's end this uh, podcast with two, three simple questions. So which future technology you think is going to change the world or you think is coming to change us? Okay, good question. Um, I think... I guess I'm slightly or really excited by this, but also very terrified by this. But I think the world has a huge problem with climate change at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we're running out of time to do something about it at the moment. So I'm kind of intrigued to see what role technology has to play in this. Um, I mean, if you love him or hate him, if you look at what Elon Musk has done for yeah. electronic vehicles, he has pretty much single-handedly kicked that industry on and exactly. probably expedited things in ways that nobody else could. And I think there's going to be need to be more things coming out of a similar vein um, in order to kind of turn this crisis around. And I'm kind of, yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping that happens I, uh, <laughs> for obvious reasons. Um, but yeah, I'm intrigued to see, to, to see where that ends up over the coming, I guess, decades, really. Exactly. So the, you, you mean to say like uh, technology that is going to help or that is going to uh, like change the environment for the environment, I can say that yep. will be the, the, the real future that will going to change us and change the future. If, yep, if exactly I'm, that, if let's talk about the chat GPT is if someone is using chat GPT to uh, solve a problem that will be in favor of our environment that will grow more than solving any other problem. Yeah. Maybe we should ask ChatGPT how to solve that problem. Yeah, we can, <laughs> we can ask that. Good question. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so that's really, really nice talking to you. Uh, final question is like any, any suggestion for books or podcast for our listeners or viewers who wherever you, they are seeing or listening? Any book sure. and podcast you have in your list? Uh, so, yeah, I think... There's, there's three resources that I've got here which I think are really good for people. Sure. Um, particularly the first one for PHP developers, the Stitcher.io blog uh -huh. is a really, really, really useful resource amazing. for learning what's coming up in so PHP. I think Brent does a really it's nice... Stitches. Stitcher. Stitcher.io. Stitcher.io, yeah. Okay. And um, Brent, who writes the content, has a really great mm. job of explaining Super. the new things which are coming to PHP. Um, so I think for anybody looking 
to keep up to date on things. That's a really good resource. Yes. yes. Um, I have a podcast, the next two are podcasts, and they're not specifically developer related. I have a, a product specific podcast called sure. um, The Art of Product Podcast. Unfortunately, it's been less active recently, um, but I really enjoy the content on there. It's, it was previously two guys who are starting new products or had started new products, and it was about kind of watching their journey and seeing the, the issues and the and the fortunes that they run into along the way, which is really yeah. interesting. They're still doing it, but the format has changed a little and the regularity of them is a bit hit and miss at the moment. Okay. Um, Good, and then finally, a business podcast recommendation is something called My First Million. Oh, um, I love that. Uh, My First is, Million. Yeah, it's really It's really interesting content. Um, the guys are interesting hosts uh but they're so full of enthusiasm and stuff it's kind of infectious and um and some of the stories that you hear on there are, are very inspiring yes um, exactly so so yeah those are probably my three takeaways three recommendations that's really great amazing uh, i love that my first million and the, the topic they pick and the, how they talk about that how they talk the insights of every like project or every big things it's really, really insightful. People need Definitely to know. Definitely is. And they're very, very good at, yeah, they're very good at picking companies ahead of time that are going to do ah. well. And they, yeah, they're just very, very kind of switched exactly. on and in tune with, with, with what's going on in the business world. Right, right. Um, but I really listen to those because I like to mix it up a bit. So, I, you mm -hmm. know, I'm writing code all day. Sometimes I want to listen to a technical podcast, but other times I just want to, my other things that I enjoy doing are product related. So that's, probably why I kind of gravitate towards those type of podcasts. Right, right. It's really great. Uh, so uh, amazing, amazing uh, chat with you, Joe. So hopefully we will going to have more fun on the Laracon. Uh, even like even after completing this, I have a lot of question. So I will going to ask that when, when we will meet at, at Laracon India. And but for now, I need to switch off and close this podcast thank you for all the knowledge you have shared and